Good morning, everyone. So today's passage is Hebrews eleven twenty three to twelve two. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down as they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time of fail, fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you very much. Please do uh, keep that page open, page 1008. Um, as Robin was saying, we're keen to hear from God's wisdom, not mine, so let's... Um, Look at God's word together, um, and uh, uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer as we begin. Our Father, we do thank you for the freedom we have in this country to meet together. Thank you that we meet here this morning without threat of being attacked or shut down, as so many Christians around the world do face. Help us to make the most of that privilege this morning, and whatever our morning's been like or our week's been like, we pray you'd open our ears to your word. Because we pray in the name of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. It's really good to see you here uh, this morning for this bit of Hebrews 11. And if you want to know where we're going, there's an outline on the back of the sheet you were given. Um, And you'll see at the top there, I've put a a sentence which which may be familiar uh, if you work in financial services or if you've seen adverts for kind of banking products, billboards and and, um, TV adverts and stuff. The phrase is this, your investment may go up or down. Seen that? In this case, it's your investment in faith may go up and down. 
He does say quite a lot around at the moment. I think everyone wants us to give him money, uh, whether it's pensions or shares or funds or ISAs, whatever it is. Uh, your investment may go up, but it also may go down. It's often quite hard to find it in the billboards. It's the kind of tiny writing right in the bottom corner. In the adverts, uh, you get all the happy people who've had a great time, loads of money they've earned. And then just at the end, in a, like a really quiet and quick and flat voice, your investment may go up and down. And it's like, what? It may go up and down. It's in the small print there, but in the Bible, it's not in the small print. That in this life, our investment in following God, in following Jesus, our investment in faith, may go up or down. That is, our experience of following God may lead to highs or some real lows. I think that is a kind of good summary of at least verses 32 to 38 of our passage of Hebrews 11. Uh, This is a passage you may have noticed when it was read. Oh, by the way, um, 12, 1 to 2 we're doing next week. Uh, 23 to 31 we did last week. So the actual passage we're looking at is 32 to 40 this week. Um, We just read the whole thing to to get some context. Um, But in verses 32 to 38, the first few verses are about triumphs, really extraordinary successes, conquests, rescues, miracles, triumphs of faith. Wonderful things. Your investment in faith may go up. But then, you've just hit the high in the middle of verse 35. Some women received back their dead by resurrection. Doesn't get much better than that. Suddenly, the tone rapidly changes. Some were tortured, and they didn't survive. They had to wait for their resurrection at the end of history. Others, we read, suffered mocking, flogging, homelessness, poor clothing, poor reputation. See the point? Your experience of life Your investment in faith may go up or down. And not just a little bit up or a little bit down, but basically pretty good. No, some of these Old Testament heroes of faith, some of them had a horrible life experience. And some Christians do today around the globe. You may experience what seems like triumph or seems like tragedy. I said there's a a couple of differences between this... um, this message and, and those billboard adverts for financial products. Um, one is that it's not in the small print. So Jesus himself warned that following him wouldn't necessarily make life easier in the short term. might actually make it harder. You will have trouble in this world, he told his followers. But take heart, I've overcome the world. But actually, there's an even bigger difference here uh, and with Jesus, which is though it may go up and down in this life, we don't know, Actually, there is a cast-iron guarantee of reward in the end. This is absolutely the best way to live, absolutely the best place to invest your life, because in the end, it will lead to God's approval and receiving God's promises. It's an investment that will pay off in the end. So that's going to be the flow. Those are our kind of three points today. We're first going to look at the triumphs, then we're going to look at the tragedies uh, that, that have been experienced in this life, But then point three, in lots of ways, is the most important thing. That what matters is actually beyond this visible life. Not the seeming triumphs or the seeming tragedies, but what God's verdict is at the end. That's where we're going. Um, And I hope whether you're a Christian here or not, or whether you would not describe yourself like that, if you're just looking in on things, I hope that's something you'd be interested in. Like, what, what should I expect if I became a Christian? Or those of us who are... Christians, what are our expectations for the life of faith? Is it actually worth it? 
I also think it's really important to add this to what we've seen in Hebrews 11 so far. Um, So just a very quick recap. Um, If you've not been here, this will catch you up. If you have been here, I really hope this is familiar stuff, (laughs) rather than like, oh, is that what we were supposed to see? Um, So Hebrews 11, uh, I said right at the start, it's not like a box of chocolates where you just pick out your favorite character and kind of chew on them for a bit. It doesn't really matter what order you read it in or eat them in, as it were. Um, uh, It's actually groups of people to make particular points as as the author goes through the Old Testament saints for us. Um, So let me just show us the major points we've seen so far in Hebrews 11. And then then we'll see why this passage matters so much. So I hope you're with me. 11 verses 1 to 7, we saw a couple of things. Living by faith means trusting God for what we can't see. That's what it is. Trusting God, taking God at his word for things we can't see. Living by faith, not by sight. Trusting God in the unseen. And secondly, it's the only life God commends. Pick anyone in the Bible that God commends and they were living by faith, trusting him in the unseen. What about Hebrews eleven eight to 22? What was that about? Well, living by faith is trusting something specific that God has promised, God's promises of a great city. And Abraham and the family in those verses, they trusted those promises despite appearances. It did not look like it was ever going to happen. He promised this great people in this great place, and they couldn't even have a single child. How could they have loads of descendants? Trusting God's promises despite current appearances, despite the fact that death makes it look like this is never going to happen. That was the second point. Um, and I think actually uh, this week, as, we, as we're uh, thinking about the, the upcoming coronation, I think this is quite important, really, because there's an awful lot of talk in, in the media and in life about faith as a kind of general thing, like people of faith. Um, I mean, that in itself doesn't say much. Every human being has faith. Um, even if you were here this morning saying, well, I'm not religious, I don't, I don't believe in any religion, um, I wonder what you do believe in. Maybe, maybe our own rationalism Our own kind of, I trust my mind, I trust human logic to work out the answers. We all have faith in something. The question for the Bible is, what do you have faith in? What are you trusting in, in your life? And all the way through um, the Old Testament, people were trusting this promise to Abraham of a great heavenly city, um, God's people in God's place, a great city. Okay, that's 8 to 22. Um, And then last week, that was all before Easter, so it might be a bit fuzzy. Last week, um, hopefully this is more familiar, we saw that faith, living by faith, involves hard choices, hard choices in allegiance to God. That's because there's current opposition. If if the problem for Abraham's family was it doesn't look like God's promises are going to happen, the problem in those examples was there are opponents or enemies to God trying to stop the promises happening, um, despite current opposition making hard choices in allegiance to God. And we saw that that's the only life that is safe, ultimately. It was striking this. It may have looked pretty dangerous for Moses, for example, to defy Pharaoh and said he was going to leave with God's people. Uh, I imagine the princes of Egypt around Moses were kind of laughing at him and saying, that's that's an absolutely crazy decision. What do you think you're doing? You're throwing your life away following that God. But actually, we saw in verses 28 to 31 that ultimately it's only people of faith who are safe when God's judgment comes. It's those who've trusted in God's rescue plan who are safe. At which point, I just want to pause the tape there and say, if we stopped Hebrews 11 at that point, 
We've just seen these pictures of uh, those who sided with God, who lived by faith, being rescued and saved, and enemies of God, uh, the Egyptian army, Pharaoh, um, uh, are, are, are being um, judged and destroyed. It, it looks like if you make the hard choices, it's all going to work out fine. You'll be safe. You'll be preserved. You'll be rescued. And actually, if you don't trust God and if you oppose him, be warned, you'll be brought low. So we might apply it to ourselves and think, okay, fine. I need to make the hard calls. I need to publicly associate with Jesus and his people. And then life is going to work out. God's faithful people are always going to be preserved. God's opponents are always going to be brought low. Except here's the thing. Someone, sometimes someone does speak about being a Christian in the public square and it costs them their job. And then it's hard to get another one. Sometimes a Christian teacher does honestly ask a question they've been asked by a student about what they believe, and then a complaint happens, and a disciplinary process begins. Sometimes faithful Christians get cancer, serious cancer. Sometimes pastors are imprisoned by the state, not for days, but for decades sometimes. Sometimes missionaries are kidnapped or killed by terrorists. There was someone at the morning service, I won't tell you where they've just been, but they were visiting a conference for missionaries where they said that's exactly what it's like. Those are the stories we heard. And that's today's passage. Sometimes your investment in faith may go up or may go down. Sometimes you make the hard choices and it doesn't immediately work out as all... Happiness and light. So actually, those episodes we saw last week, the Passover, uh, the Red Sea, um, the destruction of Jericho, they are pictures of final judgment, the ultimate consequences of siding with the God of the Bible or rejecting Jesus as saviour. That's the kind of end result, the ultimate judgment that um, God has promised is coming when Jesus returns. But in the meantime... In this life, our investment in faith may go up or down. So as we begin, I think it is worth asking ourselves, what are my expectations for life as a Christian? What trajectory am I expecting my life to go on? I think there'll be as many answers to that in the room as there are personalities. Some of us, either through a sunny disposition or the backgrounds we've come from, or the examples of the Christian life we've seen, some of us will expect, well, hang on, surely, surely, if we're faithful to God, surely he's faithful to us, and surely that will mean well, plenty of material blessing, plenty of gospel progress in this life. I mean, of course I'm going to find a spouse. Of course then our marriage will be happy. Of course we'll have children. Of course the children will be healthy. Of course I'll get a job and that job will satisfy me. Of course I'll see friends become Christians. Of course we'll have plenty of finance and a decent standard of living. And if I lead a small group or I'm part of a small group, of course lots of people will come to it and it will grow. If I share the gospel, of course people will become Christians. If I pray for revival in Scotland, of course there'll be a great turning in our generation. If I'm part of a church, I'm sure it will be a growing one. After all, God is good and kind and loving. If we're faithful to him, if we make the hard choices, well, of course, then he'll deliver for us. Problem is, Hebrews 11, 
your investment in faith may go up or down in this life. He hasn't promised it will always be up. Sometimes being faithful to God will take us through hard valleys. And you can see if someone's got those expectations, they could easily become disillusioned on the journey. Well, God doesn't seem to be keeping his side of the bargain. I'm going to turn around and give up. Some of us in the room will be like that, and this passage needs to kind of check uh, our realism. But there will be others who are a bit more pessimistic about this world. I mean, it is all going downhill, isn't it? <laughs> Life for Christians in Scotland is getting harder and harder, and it's going to continue to get more difficult. The retreat of the church in numbers and in influence across the UK and the Western world, well, that's bound to continue. Perhaps the most we can hope for in our generation is, I don't know, to hold on ourselves and maybe train a few folk, but zero chance of a turnaround, a major turnaround in our generation. But here's the thing, we don't know. Your investment in faith may go up as well as down. We do know there'll always be opposition until Jesus returns. Uh, remember, he's waiting at God's right hand until Psalm 110 and um, his enemies are made a footstool. He's waiting. Um, so there'll always be opposition and enemies and conflict. Um, but as to whether there's seeming triumph in that conflict or seeming tragedy, we just don't know. The life of faith doesn't know. Of course, the Hebrew church will be struggling with this a bit because they've started the Christian life and they have faced a hard time. They've had this wave of persecution come their way. They've been mocked. They've lost out financially for their allegiance to Jesus. And maybe they're thinking, well, this can't be the right way to live, can it? Like, are, we, are we sure we're on the right side here, the right team? Is this definitely right if we're losing out to these op- opposition? But what they need to remember, and we need to remember is that while in this life our investment in faith may go up and down, actually what really matters is beyond the visible. What really matters is God's verdict on life. What really matters is God's promises beyond the grave. Okay, that's the basic shape. Now let's go through it in a bit more detail. I hope you're still with me. Let's get into point one. Living by faith uh, can lead to triumphs in this life. Um, I've put triumphs in scare quotes there because... Uh, it may look like a triumph, but however good it is, it's still not the most important thing. That's what point three will show us. Um, likewise, however bad it is, um, still what matters is verses 39 to 40. So that's why it's in quotes, but um, living by faith can lead to triumphs in this light. life. Sorry. Now it's clear uh, from verse 32, 33, uh, our author's in, in kind of summary mode. Um, he's really rattling off the names now pretty quickly, isn't he? Um, he's not just thinking, oh no, I've, I've, run out of, I've run out of papyrus or whatever. Oh, I've got loads of the Old Testament still to cover. I'm just going to rapid fire list every name I can think of kind of in, in order. Um, he's definitely not doing that, not least because they're not in order. He knows his Old Testament well, but these, some of the names are jumbled up. So Samuel comes before David in the Bible. Uh, Barak comes before Gideon. Uh, so it's not just a kind of let's rush through the rest. No, he's, he's mixing up, jumbling up a load of other examples from the Old Testament. He's saying if you take a mixed sample of different names, different lives, what do you see? And what you see is a whole spectrum of experience. So verse 33, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, some of these people conquered kingdoms. King David did that. Um, some of the judges did that where, where God's people were attacked and um, they, they were defended, um, and, and, and rest was brought against enemy nations. 
they did obtain a degree of God's promises. Some of them stopped the mouth of lions. Could be Samson, uh, he beat some lions. Could be David, uh, he beat lions. But I think it's probably Daniel in the lion's den. He was thrown there for continuing to pray once it had become illegal in the state he was in. It's one of the hard choices he made, a bit like Moses last time. Um, And he got thrown into a lion's den, was protected. I think it's probably Daniel, because the next one, about quenching the power of fire, that sounds a lot like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, who were thrown into Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace in Babylon. Again, they were chucked in there for refusing to bow to a statue, and that the state said, you have to worship this. And they got rescued. Not a hair on their head was tinged by this flaming, blazing furnace. Um, Then verse 34, others there are a bit more general. Uh, And then verse 35, this receiving um, back from the dead, I think that's probably um, the widows that Elijah and Elisha helped. But here's the thing. The point of this is not so much to see if we can match up the right name and the right episode. Um, I mean, he could have just given us the names if that was the point, couldn't he? No, the point is the experiences themselves. What did these people go through as they lived the life of faith? And they are extraordinary, aren't they? And they're, they're all in the context of opposition, the kind of scary opponents. And it's worth saying some of these characters were not brave people. I mean, look at Barak and Gideon. They were wimps. But actually, they did discover, if, eventually, if you trust God, extraordinary things can happen. There are amazing moments of God's, uh, progress for God's kingdom. Conquering kingdoms, obtaining promises, bringing about justice. I mean, it's wonderful stuff. And amazing rescues, extraordinary rescues um, from the mouth of lions, from the heat of fire, from death itself. Or to put it another way, there really is no ceiling on what God can achieve when his people trust him. Your investment in faith may go up. So as we pause to apply this, if you are someone who tends towards the pessimistic or temperamentally negative outlook on life and on gospel progress. Well, just remember, we don't actually know. God may well bring about revival in Scotland in this generation, as he has done numerous times in the past. If we stick our necks out to be known publicly as Christians at work and school and home, even as it gets more difficult, if we take opportunities to stay what we believe and and we act with allegiance to Jesus as our number one priority, we don't know what God could do. And it could be extraordinary progress for his kingdom. There are moments when when the Lord just does something amazing through the faithfulness of his people, where a whole family comes to trust in Jesus through the witness of just one believer in the family who they were giving a hard time to, where a whole sports team hears about Jesus through one brave Christian or one scared Christian, but he says it anyway, and a number become Christians. Times where revival breaks out in a whole country or a whole area. That is just half the picture, though. That's the positive. Um, uh, Now we're going to get on to the... the, It can go the other way. Your investment in faith may go down. Um, But even this fact, the fact that it can go up or down, and we don't know shows us that we shouldn't judge our approach to life by the results, should we? Particularly when it comes to reaching out with the good news of Jesus. Um, Jesus has told us he's left us on earth 
to make disciples. The Great Commission, go and make disciples. He's told us how to do it, to share the the good news of Jesus, to spread the seed widely, scatter the seed widely. That's how his kingdom grows, the seed of his word. He's told us there'll be mixed results. Some won't like it, some won't really hear it, um, some, some will accept it and grow. We mustn't judge by seeming triumph or seeming failure as to whether we need a different method. Faith says we'll do it the way Jesus said, regardless of whether in our generation, in our tiny patch of the kingdom, our investment in faith goes up or down. And it may go up, extraordinarily up. Okay, but we should get on to point two um, and uh, the downs. Um, just in case, I mean, I'm not sure how much of a danger it is at Chalmers, to be honest, but just in case we were going to run rush into a kind of name it and claim it kind of triumphalism, uh, as if this life should be a success story for God's people, as if if we just have enough faith, God will deliver the health or the career or the family or the bank balance or the house or whatever. Well, no, actually. Because you can point to countless examples of faithful people in the Old Testament who had tragic lives. Tragic lives. Even painful deaths. Read with me, verse 35, halfway through. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Your investment in faith in this life may go down. Is worth saying. I think he is picking the most extreme examples, the kind of just as he did the very heights of amazing miraculous rescues, the lions den, the resurrections, he's now plumbing the very depths of some of the absolute worst examples. Uh, people like Jeremiah, Isaiah being mocked and attacked um, for um, uh, speaking for God. Um, but actually, uh, even if uh, not all Christians will experience either the highest of the highs or the lowest of the lows, It is true that around the world, some Christians still have this experience. Losing homes and property, finding themselves locked up, finding themselves violently accosted. What's striking though is that there's this bigger perspective. So they may be having horrible experiences, but there's a bigger perspective. Look at verse 35 again. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. That is, these people had their eyes on God's eternal reward. The heavenly city filled their vision, and so they endured the cost. They had their eyes on God and his promises, the Holy Spirit, uh, sorry, the the heavenly city, Um, and actually God had his eyes on them. Look at verse 38. It's this amazing moment. Um, I'll read from 37. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains. So they looked like, to visible sight, they were the, the most downwardly mobile, the kind of the losers in life, the pathetic nobodies. But actually, as God's people, the people of faith, the people of promise, The world was not worthy of them. Or as verse 39 will say, God commended them through their faith. 
In many ways, this is the, the key thing to remember today. I know we'll probably remember your investment in faith may go up and down because I've said it so many times. But actually, the most important thing to remember is whether our life goes up or down, what really matters is the bigger perspective, God's final verdict. This is point three, and just look at verse 39 with me. It's this amazing thing. Verse 39, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. However good it was at the heights of kingdom progress, or however bad it was at the depths of personal suffering, all of these people still had the better thing to come, the most important thing to come, God's verdict and God's eternal promises. We'll get into the detail of verse 3 in just a moment. Let me just give you an example to try and ground this um, kind of in real life. Um, a few years ago, as a church family, we, we spent a bit of time thinking about how to reach out with the good news of Jesus. Um, and a guy came and, and gave us some training on um, using a particular uh, resource, a thing called Word One-to-One, which was a, a thing you could use to, to read John's Gospel with a friend. It was a kind of an a, attempt at a kind of easy introduction to here's something to help you to say to someone who doesn't know Jesus, would you like to look at the Bible together? Would you like to read John's Gospel together? Now, a number of people off the back of that, um, they did have a go at asking that question. Would you like to, to look at the Bible with me? Would you like to see an eyewitness account of Jesus' life? Of that number, a few people had friends or colleagues or neighbours who said, yes, I would like to. Um, now, at least one of those people read John's Gospel and became increasingly fascinated with Jesus, amazed at what they saw, and ended up coming through to trust in Jesus. Your investment in living by faith may go up. A Christian has stuck their neck out, and God's kingdom expanded. A life was saved for, for eternity. Just amazing. But I want to tell you about someone else in the church family. Uh, this, this person, they've kind of stuck in my heart and mind, because... Um, personality-wise, they're not, they're not kind of super extrovert, super bold. They're not kind of alpha kind of person. Um, quite the opposite. They'd be more reserved, more private as a personality. It was such an encouragement to me when they mentioned, oh, I, I have actually, um, I'm going to ask a colleague if, if they'd like to read the Bible with me. And I thought, fantastic, fantastic. Even more fantastic when this person agreed. Um, and then what happened, uh, they just had one meeting one meeting, and the friend said they didn't want to hear any more of this. And it got a bit awkward after that. I mean, they're, they're still friends. And I guess if we, if we were to talk as a whole congregation, we would replicate both those scenarios again and again. When we've tried to invite someone to church or say a bit about Jesus or say, would you like to look at the Bible? Sometimes your investment in faith may go up. Amazing, amazing consequences. Sometimes actually... It, it leads to sadness and, and um, disappointment. I almost found myself, when that happened, uh, feeling like, oh, I felt really sad about it. And I almost felt, oh, that's a pity. Like, maybe it would have been better not to have mentioned it. But actually, that's completely wrong. Look at God's verdict on all these lives, whether they went up or down in their experience, all of these lives, verse 39, commended through their faith even though they did not receive what was promised. This is our third point. We've got to assess our lives and our experience 
by the bigger picture, beyond what's visible. I think there are three aspects of this kind of bigger perspective, this invisible um, perspective. Um, They're here in in, um, verses 39 and 40, and I've marked them on the sheet. Firstly, um, uh, living by faith is the only life to which God gives his approval. Striking, isn't it? All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. However high or low their experience, all of them got God's commendation because they trusted him. They took him at his word. Whether they looked impressive and triumphant in this world or looked pathetic and mocked and ridiculed and shamed and attacked, God gave a very different verdict on their life. And we have seen that through the chapter. I mean, Lots of these people were opposed in their day. So um, Abel was, was um, faithfully serving God, and Cain hated him for it, attacked him for it, killed him for it. Noah was taking God at his word and was laughed at by his contemporaries because he was building a boat in a desert. But God declares him righteous by faith. Moses faced the anger of Pharaoh. How dare you defy me? And no doubt the laughter of the court of Egypt. What do you think you're doing? You're throwing your life away but then knew the salvation of God. And so it is with every single person enduring living by faith in Jesus. Uh, There will be opposition. Sometimes we'll see great rescue, great victory, great triumph. Often we'll see that we are mocked or ridiculed, might be attacked politically, reputationally, financially, legally, around the world, even physically. But God's commendation, God's verdict, is the one that matters. That's the first part of the bigger perspective. What really matters is not the visible, whether it goes up and down, our life experience. What really matters is God's approval. Second thing that really matters is um, God's promises. God's promises that we don't yet see, that we haven't yet fully received. Again, we've seen this all the way through the chapter. Um, But for all these people, and for all of these, uh, even those who saw great blessings and great triumphs in this life, all of them didn't get their hands on God's heavenly city. Not in this life. Just flick your eyes back to verse 13. Verse 13. It's talking about Abraham's family, who were all looking forward to this promise of a place, this city. Uh, Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Or verse 16, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God because he's prepared for them a city. The point is, all the examples of the Old Testament are people who trusted God for this home they didn't yet have. They couldn't yet see this heavenly city that God promised to take his people to. And in that way, we are exactly the same as the Old Testament saints. We are still on a journey. We haven't ended up in God's rest yet. We need to keep going, keep enduring, keep running the race. We'll see that next week. Like them, and we are to trust God's promise that whether this life goes up or down or a mixture... In the end, God will provide this extraordinary heavenly home where there's no tears, no suffering, no sickness, no opposition, no death. That's the second thing. Then the third thing, um, and this is where um, 
We're in the last, uh, the last few minutes now. Um, and I will just say, uh, it is the last few minutes. But you know how, like, you might expect in the last few minutes, we're, we're kind of beginning our descent, the plane's coming into land, you might already be folding up the kind of seat table of your brain, thinking, okay, that's done and dusted, nothing more to think about now. I'm afraid this last few minutes will take a bit of concentration, but it is worth it. Um, so just zone in for these last couple of minutes in verses 39 and 40, because there's a privilege in here for Christians that goes far beyond what the Old Testament saints had. So let me read again, verse 39. All these, though commended through their faith, like us, did not receive what was promised, like us. But then here's the something better. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. And we need to think a bit about this. What is the thing promised in verse 39? And what is the something better in verse 40 that makes us perfect? Now, you could say, oh, it's all Jesus, kind of, they didn't receive Jesus, we do receive Jesus, but I, I don't think that's quite right. Verse 39, what was promised, I think has to be talking about this heavenly city, the promises to Abraham. That's what it talked about in verse 13, which sounds just like this, and in fact, in all of verses 8 to 22. So, they didn't receive the heavenly city in their lives. They didn't end up living in the heavenly city until they died and went to be with Jesus. Like us, we are not yet physically in the heavenly city. We're living here. We're still experiencing opposition and difficulty and suffering and sickness. So like them, we are waiting for this heavenly city that's been promised. But unlike them, verse 40, we have something better now in this life. Now, what is, in Hebrews, what is the something better? And this is a bit easier. It's Jesus. He's always the better thing in Hebrews, isn't he? He's the better speaker, the better priest, the better sacrifice, the better access. So verse 40 is talking about Jesus. We now have Jesus. Even in this life, we live after the cross, after he has purified us, after we have complete forgiveness, better forgiveness, after we have better access, there's no curtain in the way between us and our holy God. Hope you're still with me. Old Testament saints were waiting for the heavenly city and looking forward to that day. New Testament saints were waiting still to be home in God's heavenly city, but right now, Jesus has washed us clean. Already we are made perfect Uh, Chapter 10, verse 14 says that. Already we can approach God. In fact, we can approach his throne in that heavenly city. We can kind of draw near to the throne room. That is the privilege that we have as Christian believers. You can imagine this great cloud of witnesses, these Old Testament saints saying, and we'll think more about this next week, but saying to us, look, Keep going on the journey. We did. It's worth it. The heavenly city is worth it when you get there. But they'd also say to us, you have an extraordinary privilege along the way because you have Jesus, your high priest, right now interceding for you. What does that mean in practice, in actual nitty-gritty? Well, I don't know how you felt during this talk. <laughs> As I've warned us, not the small print, but the big print, that our investment in faith may go up and down. As we look across our lives, and some of us are young in this room and there's a lot of life left, as we look across and think, oh, it might go up, as I'd hope and 
and, and long for, but it actually might go down. I wonder how you felt about that. I'm more of a wimp than uh, Barak or Gideon, and so how I feel when the Bible warns me that sometimes making the hard choices might lead to hard experiences, I think, help. <laughs> how am I going to do that? I'm not strong enough for that. So I felt that last week. I feel it this week. But the saints of old would say to us, but you have Jesus, your high priest, interceding for you, that the doors to heaven's throne room are wide open. You can draw near for help in time of need, Hebrews 4.16. And he can keep you going, whether your life goes up or down. We're going to think more about that next week as we look to Jesus so that we can keep running the race. But for now, let me close this in prayer and to thank God for this extraordinary privilege we have. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, for this wisdom from above. Thank you for all these examples of people in the Old Testament who trusted you, whether that led to great triumph or seeming tragedy. Pray very much for us personally. Surely in this room there will be people who are encouraged at the moment in the Christian life, encouraged by gospel progress, and others who are just barely clinging on. Who know how hard it is sometimes. And we, we pray for them that you would help them to keep going as you help these saints. And we pray for all of us that you would help us to look to Jesus, who right now has qualified us for your heavenly city, right now has made us perfect in your sight, right now has forgiven us, and right now can help us to endure the Christian race. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.